Let's go to the library. To the library. Vamos a la biblioteca. Let's go to the library. 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 A Niagara Falls Public Library podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is episode four, and we are back to a focus on mental health. Our guest for this month is Niagara-based author, peer support worker, and mental health advocate Darcy Patrick. We'll be discussing his new book, Managing Wellness. But first, an announcement from the Niagara Falls Public Library. In honor of Canadian Mental Health Week, May 2nd to 8th, 2022, we are launching a new resource page on our website at my.nflibrary.ca slash mental health. That's my.nflibrary.ca slash mental health. This page features links to a variety of mental health and well-being books, many of which we've recently added to our collection. These cover a variety of mental health topics from anxiety, panic, worry, and phobias, to emotion regulation, to depression, social relationships, trauma, perfectionism, and more. Each book covers evidence-based skills and techniques you can use to cope with and manage mental health challenges. The books are not, however, a substitute for therapy or proper mental health care. They are intended more as a supplement to your existing care arrangements. If you're looking for health care in Niagara, mental health care, that is, please uh, talk to your family doctor if you have one. Otherwise, you can reach out to the Canadian Mental Health Association, Niagara Chapter. Their main telephone line is 905-641-5222. That's 905-641-5222. If you are in crisis, please call 1-866-550-5205. That's Coast Niagara at 1-866-550-5205. All of our mental health books are free to borrow with your free Niagara Falls Public Library card. If you don't have a card, give us a call at 905-356-8080. That's 905-356-8080. Or visit any Niagara Falls Public Library branch to learn more. We hope to continue adding mental health books and workbooks for you over time, so please do check back on the page. Now, before we get to our conversation with Darcy, I checked in recently with my colleague Laura in Information Resources and Connections about what is new this spring at Niagara Falls Public Library in books, and here is that conversation. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, it's... uh, it's very exciting because now uh, I haven't really done any reading recommendations so far. So um, I guess you're here to join us today to tell us about some of the new materials uh, that are going to be available at the library that people can borrow. Yeah, we have a great selection of stuff coming out for the spring. Um, I thought I would maybe start with a lovely little book called Gardening Naturally. Um, yes, very in keeping with the warmer weather we're getting. Um, So gardening naturally is all about ecological gardening with ease and simplicity, um, which is basically what I think we all want out of our gardening, ease and simplicity. Of course, out of everything in life, really, if possible. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, So the book offers a wealth of information and practical advice for growing indoor and outdoor plants based on a program of sustainability, a rejection of artificial chemicals, and a respect for biodiversity and the natural world. So from advice on planning your garden and dealing with disease, insects, and the arrival of cold weather, hopefully not for a while now, (laughs) but you know, still got to plan it. And uh, they have tips for starting your own compost, repotting effectively, choosing which local and native flowers to best attract pollinators. Um, This book will really appeal to anyone wants to add flowers, edibles, and greenery to their daily life, um, no matter the size of your balcony or your garden. Right. And there's never been um, a better chance, folks, because I guess it's an opportunity to also plug our seed library. You can borrow, or I mean, you can have seeds from the library. Um, more information on that on our website. And so get the seeds, get the book, and go to town. Exactly. Yeah, we have lots of uh, CD resources here to, to get everyone into the garden this this spring and summer. For sure, I'm sure we're all looking forward to that. Let's see what else. We also have another gardening book, which is kind of neat here. Um, This is just coming out, so it's called The Regenerative Garden. 
and it's 80 practical projects for creating a self-sustaining garden ecosystem. Mm. Um, so basically it's like easy, small scale permaculture ideas for the home garden. Right. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's pr- especially for, it sounds like, you know, someone who knows nothing about it, this would be a great way to kind of like for, as, for myself, for example, having no experience gardening, but always wanting to learn what a better, what better way than to, uh, pick up something like that. Yeah, exactly. And again, um, like if you were to get seeds from the library um, and you don't really know where you're starting, then a book like this, um, it really is here to like help reduce your long-term workload. Mm-hmm. Um, you can uh, kind of like, it'll, it'll teach you how to build healthy soil, um, create a really productive environment for edible and non-edible plants. Um, and I mean, like there's there's a wide variety of projects here for everyone, right? So like using green manures if you're if you're that uh, adventurous, sure. I guess. <laughs> but also like you know, um, using uh, rainwater, um, oh. reclaiming weedy soil, um, you know. And they even have something in here for starting your own seed sharing library. Ah. So it's kind of fun. there you go. So that's kind of all we have coming out for uh, the garden but along the same line we do have a very beautiful cookbook um by the real food dietitians and it's called the real food table um so this is 100 easy and delicious mostly gluten-free grain-free and dairy-free recipes for daily life it's something that's kind of tied in to the whole 30 but not as strict the whole 30 yeah, it's um, it's like an elimination diet over thirty days. So we we have a lot of material on the, the whole thirty, and you can like do diet, right? And it's kind of to like help figure out what your body likes to eat and what it doesn't, and oh. keep you healthy and that kind of thing. But I think this is kind of for people that are less serious than that, but they still want to try some like very healthy delicious food sure you know whole 30 yourself like whole 30 light a dairy-free mac and cheese but then you also got like loaded guacamole right sounds pretty good you know so so the part 30 not the whole 30 yeah exactly (laughs) the whole 15 the whole 15 there you go that sounds really that sounds really useful actually i love all these books coming out with a focus on kind of wellness and uh you know leading a healthy lifestyle i mean especially as things start to open up again i'm sure maybe some of us have all of us maybe have gotten into some unhealthy habits over like being cocooned for two years inside so yeah it's very true the COVID 19 is a real thing yeah exactly (laughs) the whole 30 the COVID 19 yeah (laughs) um so we also have another recipe book coming out soon um but it is well i think it's a lot more fun it is Harry Potter feasts and festivities. Oh my lord! <laughs> so there's there's no focus on on wellness here. Um, only focus on well, fun and deliciousness, really. Also, also um, valuable. Exactly, very <laughs> valuable. So we have some like really fun recipes in here. Um, there's Professor Lupin's anti dementor hot chocolate. <laughs> sure, nice. I'm not really sure why it would be anti-dementor, but any excuse to have really decadent hot chocolate. I mean, I'm sure. I'm all over that. Right? That's not to question it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, they also have a recipe for chocolate frogs. Like <laughs> nice. How fun. Um, and they have little crafts in here as well, which is kind of neat. They have stuff for the magical snowfall. Um, and uh just a bunch of like cute little uh like styling magic and stuff like that so like they show they'll show pictures of the yule ball and then have little ideas for what people can do to make their own party look a little bit more like the yule ball in the films (laughs) that's great that'd be really fun to do with kids i would imagine you read the books do the recipes do the crafts it's like a whole holistic harry potter experience 
Um, yeah, and they they have drinks, they have place settings. Nice. Um, they even have wedding invitations. Oh, my <laughs> which... For the fanatic. <laughs> yeah, so kids, kids and adults can definitely. Right. I guess it's appreciate scared... Geared more towards millennials, I guess, would be the would be the Harry Potter fans, right? <laughs> do, do kids even read Harry Potter anymore? Like, is it still a popular series with kids? I wonder. I don't know. Yes. They do? The answer is yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no. Almost everybody, I think, still reads Harry Potter. Is it is it uh, muggle-friendly, this book? I don't I mean, like, these desserts, they look pretty fancy. So I think you have to be somewhat of a kitchen wizard yourself. Oh, a kitchen wizard. But, I uh, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think... <laughs> Maybe to make them look quite as beautiful as what they have sure. in the book, but it looks like the recipes are um, pretty simple. And there's a lot of things for like drinks, which is nice because I don't think those are as quite as easy to to mess up, mess up and they don't yeah. have to look quite as fancy. Right. Right. And there's like there's pudding, which is pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot in here for everyone. Nice. And if you don't uh, do the recipe properly, just make it a nailed it kind of version. Exactly. Harry Potter nailed it. Um, in terms of fiction, we have some pretty exciting stuff. Ann Tyler's new book is uh, called French Braids. So that's going to be on the shelves soon. Um, and Ann Tyler, for those of you who don't know, she's the Pulitzer Prize winning author of A Spool of Blue Thread. Um so this book is is you know very much in keeping with with her writing um it's described as a funny joyful brilliantly perceptive journey into one family's foibles from the 1950s up to our pandemic present um so she does touch on covid a little bit as well but it's just, it just kind of is a, a family saga and spans through some generations um and it's just kind of one of those lovely reads that you can expect from from Ann Tyler. Nice. Um, we have the new Janet Ivanovich coming out. Oh boy! Uh, it's called The Recovery Agent, um, and it's billed as A New Adventure Begins. So. Is it part of her series? Very was it Stephanie Plum? Is that no, no, oh, that's that's the, the new adventure. So this oh, is actually um, the launch of a new series. Um, so the hero of this series is Gabriella Rose, and she is a recovery agent. So she's hired by individuals and companies seeking lost treasures, stolen heirlooms, or missing assets of any kind. So this one kind of seems like um, more uh, like of an adventure story right? Um, than the Stephanie Plum novels. Those were more like detective based. Sure. Um, so I think that this is, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. So this one um, takes place in... Uh, Peru for the most part um, the jungles of Peru she's searching for the lost treasure of Lima nice so yeah kind of like an Indiana kind Jones of kind of thing almost yeah Indiana Jones vibes for sure Tomb Raider that kind of thing Tomb Raider so, yeah nice yeah a lot of fun a lot of fun um and what else do we have here well so we have a Canadian um author called Amita Perik, and she has written a novel called The Circus Train that will be on the shelves soon. So this is a debut, um, a debut author, and basically it's about a European traveling circus that is full of magic and nothing is as it seems, and that is especially true for the people who put on the show. Hmm. Um, this is another saga as well. It kind of takes place over two decades and uh, involves a number of uh, different countries in Europe and everything like that. So there's a lot of traveling going on. So this this just seems like a great sweeping um, novel that just takes takes you everywhere and kind of sweeps you away with it. Armchair uh, traveling. Yeah. Nice. I love how you're giving us previews of things that haven't even hit the shelves yet. That's very exciting. It's like, you know, 
Although I guess by the time this is released, they may already be out. So it depends. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Yeah, I, but they'll be new. I always forget right. there's delay. I was excited, like exclusive uh, scoop here. But yeah, I'm thinking, you know, this probably isn't going to come out for like two or three weeks. Still, so they'll probably be out by then. But oh, well. oh okay. <laughs> yeah, they'll, be, they'll definitely be on the shelves by then. They'll probably be on the shelves by tomorrow or later right. <laughs> later this week. But, you know, on the <laughs> other hand, that's probably better because then people can just go and find it right away rather than having to kind of wait, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Mind you, we do have our on order records. So you can put folds on everything that isn't on the shelves yet in the catalog. Right. So anything, as soon as there's a record for it in the catalog, then, then it's available to be held, even though its status might be on, on order for a while. Yeah, basically. I mean, like, right. so. Um, oh, that's great to know. I'm trying to think of a book that has well so one book that i'm looking forward to that's coming out um in april mm -hmm. is the candy house by jennifer egan sure and um that record is already in our catalog so i have just gone in there i searched for the candy house in the opac and i put a hold on it so um again that won't be available until we actually have it obviously past the the publication date but it, you're you're basically just putting a hold on it like you would be right. a normal item. Well, that's great to know. Yeah, so keep an eye out, folks. Keep an eye out for 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 any titles that might be coming out soon. We can help you find those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because almost all of our books come in, or almost all of our books are ordered um, at least a couple of months in advance. Um, so yeah, you can find a lot of a lot of the records in advance in the system, which is really nice. But then you you know for sure that the library is getting the book and you don't have to wonder about that. Well, that sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Laura, for uh, for telling us a bit about what's new at the library and reminding us about the uh, on-order um, request feature that you can find through our catalog. And for more information on that, folks can you know visit our website and or call the library, visit the library. And uh, yeah, thanks so much, Laura. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And now we're going to talk with Darcy Patrick. He is a peer support worker with St. Joseph's Health Center in Hamilton. He is the author of five books, the most recent of which is Managing Wellness, which we'll be discussing today. And he is an advocate and speaker on mental health and wellness issues in Niagara. Here is the conversation I recently had with Darcy on his mental health story, his body of work, and his new book, Managing Wellness. Well, uh, Darcy, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, for those who might not be familiar with your work, um, can you tell us a little bit about your story and about your journey as a writer and a uh, mental health advocate? Yeah. So in 2013, um, I made the call for help. I would struggled with depression for over 38 years of my life. Um, so that was a big step for me to actually acknowledge uh, my depression and anxiety and to uh, make that call for help. Um, you know, shortly after I started therapy, uh, I realized that my way of expressing myself was through written word. So every week I was kind of handing in homework to my therapist in different forms and uh, we would read through it together and she's, you know, changing my way of thinking and viewing the world. And so one day she said to me just out of the blue, she says, you know, Darcy, you're like a natural writer. You should write a book. Right. And I laughed like there, there was absolutely no way uh, that I was capable of doing anything like that. I had zero self-esteem. Um, I always had horrible grades in school. Um, this was something that was just out of my wheelhouse. But she said to me, you know, if I wrote a book, I could probably reach a lot of people who struggle with depression and mental health issues because I wasn't a doctor. I wasn't a therapist. I was just, you know, a normal guy. So in 2016, I released my first book, uh, Why I Run, my story of how I won my life back from the darkness of depression. You know, and when this book came out, I honestly thought I was going to sell maybe, you know, 40 to 60 books to friends and family out of pity. Um, but in the first year, uh, I sold close to, I'm going to say probably close to 3,000 books 
just out of my hand. And the cool thing about it was that people started to come into the music store that I once worked at uh, every day, sometimes three people a day to talk to me about their mental health struggles. Uh, they felt comfortable with me because I was just a normal guy, right? Um, I started to do public speaking engagements, telling my story, letting people know that they weren't alone. Because of doing those uh, public speaking engagements, I wanted to help more. I started to you know, hear other people's stories and I really, really felt that I could help them on a higher level. So I wrote my second book, which was Creative Writing for the Mind, Body and Soul. And shortly after that came out, um, I was asked to turn it into a four week course for the Family Mental Health Support Network here in Niagara. You know, and I was a musician and uh, I never turned down a gig. So I said yes right away without even thinking, uh, without knowing what I was doing. And I, you know, turned it into this four week course that just took off. I started teaching it for different libraries, the Niagara Falls Public Library, St. Catharines Public Library, Welland Public Library for different uh, mental health and, and addiction organizations. Um, I'd say that right now, I've probably taught over a thousand people creative writing for the mind, body and soul. I then came out with my third book, which was my guided meditation, uh, using meditation as a therapeutic tool to focus your overactive mind. I turned that into a course and started teaching it immediately as well. Um, when COVID-19 came, I saw it as a growth opportunity for myself. Um, I was off work. I was sitting at home doing nothing. All my courses evaporated in front of me. And so I decided I was going to turn, you know, that time into a gift. And I wrote my fourth book, The Big Let Go, Letting Go of Control is Taking Control. And after that was released, I turned it into a four-week course. And again, started teaching it immediately uh, for all the same, you know, community partners that I had taught with the other books so really you know my future just kind of unfolded in front of me and i started to think again what else can i do so i took a uh, peer support worker uh, course through the hamilton mental health rights coalition and i scored a job at st joe's in hamilton um, as a, a peer support worker and uh, my life completely changed working with people one-on-one -on -one in mental health uh, was like an amazing thing. And in the last nine months, I actually just finished writing my fifth book, Managing Wellness, Creating and Maintaining a Mind, Body and Soul Connection. You know, so since 2013, uh, when I made that call for help, um, you know, it put in motion a life that I never dreamed I was ever going to live. Like if you came up to me, you know, six, seven years ago, and said to me, Darcy, you're going to write a book. I would have laughed. Um, and if you would have told me I was going to be a public speaker, actually talking about my mental health issues openly in public, man, I would have just walked away from you um, and, uh, and hid. But now it's become my passion and my purpose to help as many people as I possibly can. And each book that I've written, each thing that I do, is solely based on my personal experience because I feel that that's the only way that we can actually reach people in mental health is to share our own experiences and let people know that they're not alone. Right. That's an, it's such an amazing story. I love. I mean, I've I've heard you before because uh, you know you've, you've as you said you've spoken at the library many times. Um, but I'm I'm really glad you could share that with uh, with people who may not have heard it because it's it's such a great story and uh, so inspirational from as you described where you started from and as to where you are now um and now you've developed this wonderful body of work you've got four books under your belt and now the fifth one coming up managing wellness so um how does managing wellness fit in with your previous four books what new ground does it cover yeah so you know managing wellness is a book that i kind of was taken by surprise um i was driving into work one day and you know i kind of promised myself that I was going to take some time off because I was, you know, writing and publishing a book every year for the past, you know, four years. And all of a sudden the title came to my head and uh, it kind of wrote itself. 
so managing wellness is, you know, it's like book five of my, my recovery. Um, you know, I went from using writing as a therapeutic tool into meditation to learning to use, you know, different tools in the big let go, radical acceptance, forgiveness. But I wanted to really dive deeper into myself, into my self-care and what I had learned. So managing wellness is all about, you know, meditation, um, self-love. Um, it's about building faith in yourself. It's about um falling in love with your breath like the one thing that we all take for granted that we're given as soon as we start living is our breath right and we kind of take it for granted so there's a lot of work and around breath and meditation you know uh the book is really kind of cool because it's all about the things that i used to laugh about that uh, i never thought existed right like a mind body and soul connection um that I used to say was like nothing but dirty hippie stuff that, <laughs> that never applied to me. Right. Mm -hmm. But in, in, to be truthful, I mean, we are three parts, right? We have a body we're we're, we're, we're moving around. We have a mind. We think every day and our soul, that inner energy is there. And when something's off and it's not working right, then we're never really well, we're never really functioning. So this book kind of takes you through my uh, my experience in building that connection again, right? Like the, the the things that I went through, the things that I didn't believe and learned to believe about myself and all three parts of me. Right. And how did how did that come to be? How did that um, that awareness kind of uh, develop over time? Because I mean. You, you started uh, with therapy, I, uh, I believe you've, you've said in the past, and then, but that's kind of more science-based, CBT, et cetera. How does that turn into this whole spiritual concept of wellness of the whole, the whole person that you're talking about? Yeah, you know, it was pretty neat because I started to really notice um, all the different reactions that I would have in different situations. You know, in the in my creative writing course, um, this really kind of spurred me on to 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 really deep delve deeper into it because I would always ask the class, um, how do we react when we're put in a negative situation um, in in our minds, in our bodies, right? And I give the class about two minutes to to write down things, and then we'd all share. And that list is huge, and people can come up with like probably 55 to 60 ways that they feel uh, negative emotion in themselves, in their mind, in their body, right, in their soul. Mm -hmm. And then when I ask them to do it in a positive light, I mean, the class is lucky to break 10, right? So I really started to think, like, how come I'm missing so much in my life? How come I'm, I'm placing so much value on negative things, feeling it fully, in who I am, right? Like mm -hmm. how my body's reacting, how my mind goes certain ways, how I allow myself, my self-esteem to like plummet in negative situations. But then when positive things happen, I just kind of ignore it. And uh, even negative self-talk in that situation where it's like we think we don't deserve good experiences. Um, that yeah, but moment I like to call it where it's like you're feeling good, but you know, you should be ashamed. So that kind of spurred me on to really, um, when I was experiencing um, positive experiences in my life, I started to really, you know, number one, I would take note of it. I would start journaling and writing down like how good I felt in a pot when a positive experience was happening, like how my, there was a warmth in my chest, right? Mm -hmm. How my mind felt light. Um, and I started to think, well, how can I duplicate these feelings? Like what, what steps do I take? Right? Like, so I delve deeper into meditation. I delve deeper into breath work. Um, at the beginning of managing wellness, I talk about a trip to the grocery store where after a morning meditation, um, I felt a state of bliss, which I never felt before. And, you know, I thought to myself, is this the way normal people feel? Mm -hmm. Right. Like as a normal person who doesn't struggle with depression or anxiety, 
do they feel this way all the time? Mm-hmm. They don't. Mm-hmm. This is something that has to be built inside you. And a lot of people go through life never reaching that stage, right? Um, they'll die, right? They look for outside influences. Um, they get pulled into addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, their bodies slowly, you know, break down because of the addiction that they're in. Um, and it's all connected, right? And so I started to really take notice in my own life how that connection, if it's weakened in one area, how the other area will slowly fall. But also when it's strengthened in one area, how that connection will grow, right? So when we feel good mentally, um, we have a, we have energy, we have drive to go outside. When we're outside and we're feeling the sun on us and we're breathing fresh air, our bodies react as well, right? So mm-hmm. it's like I had to really dig in deep and go, what am I missing? Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, so just to have the insight to live kind of more intentionally and bring that awareness to to what you're doing and, and how you're how you're feeling um would you say that's a lot of what you cover in, in your courses is that oh yeah with that right yeah yeah that whole um you know and in this book i have a wonderful chapter that's called like following the flow right mm-hmm. where uh, i give an example of of how when we exercise our mind how it flows into our body mm-hmm. and how it flows into our soul and when we exercise our body you know, how it flows into our mind and how it flows into our soul. Right. And when we do things we love, um, you know, and we exercise our soul by feeling good, how that flows into the body mm-hmm. and how it changes our way of thinking and, and interacting in the world. Right. You know, it's, uh, I know it's not expressly religious. It almost kind of reminds me of Buddhism. Would you say, is there that kind of influence on your thinking or did you kind of just come by this on your own, your own system of thought kind of thing? Yeah. You know, I kind of came this through this through my own system of thought mm-hmm. um, because I had to make it my own. Right. So I'm not, I'm not one to like when I write and when I take on tools, I'm not one to like regurgitate things. Right. Because my whole thing is that, for me, writing has to come from inside me mm-hmm. um, and my personal uh, ways of experiencing it, right? So, I mean, I talk about shockers in the book um, and how, you know, feeding them and growing that energy um, strengthens, you know, your, your, your being present in life. Um, but yeah, I would say that it leans very heavily towards, I like to call it just, you know, living a, 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 a life that's centered around love and kindness. Right. Right. And that's kind of, uh, I, I could see how that might appeal to people who might be reluctant to kind of embrace, uh, you know, a, a spiritual tradition of, you know, that's more established for thousands of years, might have other kind of baggage or whatever attached to it, I, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, because I find that like whenever I'm whenever I'm teaching or or whenever I'm writing or lecturing or whatever, I try to always leave um, religion out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, draw more on the faith mm-hmm. because as soon as you as soon as you bring um, kind of religion in, you you start separating people in, into groups. Yeah, and it becomes very limiting, right? Mm-hmm. But when we talk about building faith it's completely different, right? I think people have a hard time distinguishing, you know, a practice of faith with religion, mm-hmm. right? Faith, building faith and living a life of kindness and love is completely different than opening a book and taking it verbatim, word for word, right? Right. As you said, and so, I mean, um, from what I've seen, uh, based on your work with the library, how many sessions have you done with this? Like at least three or four, I think, over since 2019, with obviously a big gap in there uh, for the first part of COVID. Um, yes. Based on feedback uh, that you've collected, feedback we've collected, and just the reactions we've heard from people who have taken your courses, uh, you do tend to, and you do, we get a lot of repeat uh, registrants, we find, when we when we run your courses. So you really seem to connect with people. Uh, you touched on this briefly, but maybe you could talk a bit more about it. What do you think it is about your style, uh, about your message that's so effective in in reaching people and you know and bringing them back? 
it's part of the, the personal connection as you were talking about your personal story, but maybe you could talk a bit more about that. Yeah. You know, I think that the reason why people like to come back is because it is so personal, mm-hmm. right? Where um, it's easy for us to go through mental health books to pick out tools and to give advice. Um, say, you know, like say we say you have to set a boundary, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then we don't actually give instruction on how to set boundaries. You know, that's just one example that I, you know, that of something that I teach, but when I teach it, I bring in my own personal life, Mm -hmm. right. And my own personal way of doing each thing. And I think that's what resonates with people because a lot of the times when we, you know, see a therapist, uh, when we see a psychologist, they kind of don't bring in their own personal experiences. They kind of make it sterile. Um, They use language that's hard to understand or is intimidating to people. And it kind of stops them from starting because they're afraid of doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. So I think that my way of reaching people and my way of teaching is so appealing because, man, you know, I just kind of throw out real life experiences, um, you know, in the creative writing for the mind, body and soul. When we talk about building thought records, you know, I give an example of like how my dog went poo on a walk Mm -hmm. and and the emotions and the feelings that I I had based around that. Um, And so something as simple as that can resonate with people, right, where the situations may be a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but the emotional reactions um, you know, are always the same. So when I write and I teach, I always make it like so personal that everyone can relate to what I'm saying. Right. And I think that's what's missing in mental health. Mm-hmm. Is it has to be relatable. For sure. Otherwise, people's, otherwise people's eyes, you know, glaze over mm-hmm. and, um, and, and they lose interest, right? Mm-hmm. Like a simple, a simple term, like when we talk about, um, you know, ruminating mm-hmm. people like look at that and they're like what the hell's what's he talking about right but when i talk about cycling thoughts over and over again all of a sudden they understand it right um you know so it's 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 that language that common language that needs to be in mental health right so and people aren't intimidated so people aren't uh scared to uh to talk where they know where they know that what what's happening with me actually is happening with them right and i mean is so you're um you're a peer support worker as you said with saint joseph's health center so is that what what exactly is a peer support worker is that something similar where you're kind of um it's as you said you're not a doctor you're not a therapist uh so you you actually can it frees you up a bit to not use that professional modality or whatever you want to call it and just kind of use you're the expert in your own experience and all you're doing is sharing that experience with people and in a kind of an instructive way like this is my experience this is what i've done and here's how you can do it um so there's a certain simplicity to that is that how does that uh fit in with your peer support work and if if you could maybe even start by explaining what a peer support worker is i'm not even 100 percent sure i understand what what that job actually does yeah so a peer support worker is someone with lived experience Mm -hmm. um you know, in mental health addictions. Um, and so we can relate to people and give them a safe place to talk um, about their problems, um, the things that they're going through because we've been through it ourselves. And that barrier that's broken um, by being at the same level as those people is huge, right? So mm-hmm. you build like a trust that wouldn't normally be there between a psychologist or a, uh, or a therapist. Um, and so, you know, we, we listen, um, we give ideas for, you know, direction, um, in their recovery. We help them apply tools uh, that they're being taught to use, um, but in a more productive manner, right? So some, they may not be able to understand something fully, Um, So a peer support worker can break it down because I've been through it in more uh, easier to understand terms. Right. Mm -hmm. So what happens with the peer support worker is that we build this bond of like of trust and friendship um, where 
people will actually like be more proactive in listening um, because we've been through it. Um, they'll be more proactive in taking instruction because we've made it through the other side, right? So the power of being a peer support worker is really, you know, it's in that lived experience role. So, I mean, my day consists of in a peer support worker position of sometimes just like, you know, going on a 20 minute walk with someone who's struggling, you know, with mental health and just needs someone to talk to. Right. Other times, you know, I'm going over, um, you know, some ways of breaking down their emotional reactions, you know, so it's more understandable to them. Other times I'm just kind of giving them resources um, so they can find housing. Um, but the cool thing about it is that we try to empower them to make the changes in their lives, right? So we support right. We support them. I don't go out and find them a house. Mm -hmm. I, I don't go out find them housing. I don't go out and find them a, a CBT course that they need to take. I give them the resource uh, where it is and support them in, in going after that goal, right? right? So, I mean, peer support is a pretty broad term, uh, which makes it really free, right? So I'm not a therapist, but I am. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a, I'm not a, a social worker, but I kind of am. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like this wonderful relationship where it's like, you know, you hang out with someone and, and you grow with them. Right. You know, so it's like the greatest gift that we all have that we tend not to use when it comes to mental health is our ears. And the one thing that is on, like when I do referrals for peer support, the number one thing that's always listed when you ask people, what are you hoping to gain from having a peer support worker is someone to talk to who understands me, mm -hmm. which is like the biggest thing that I think everyone in the world needs is that connection where you're free to talk without judgment. Right. And so am I right in thinking then you're part of kind of a, uh, like a larger uh, health team, uh, kind of a more a professional health team, and then you're kind of the, uh, I want to say the, the kind of more human face of that, uh, or yeah. you know, aspect of that. Because I mean, the, yeah. it's less medical, right? Like like you're saying, you're in a hospital setting, so I mean, I'm sure the other care they get would be more medically oriented. Whereas you're the, the kind of the other side to that. Yeah. So I work for a unit called the. Uh, I got to get it right. The, the, what's it called? The patient and family collaborative services, right? So there's like, I think 11 different peer support workers that work in my unit. Um, so, and we work uh, within the hospital with inpatients um, and also people who have progressed out of the hospital as outpatients as well, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm working on unit, like in the hospital, going to people's rooms, talking with them on a weekly basis. And at the same time, I'm, you know, talking to people over the phone, um, or I'm actually going out into the community when COVID isn't happening. And, you know, meeting them at a coffee shop, going for a nice walk in a park. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty special thing. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a unit within the hospital. Right. And uh, is that a is that a new thing? Like, does that exist in Niagara? First of all, I've never. I've just uh, surprisingly, it does not it does exist not. in Niagara, hmm. which is pretty sad. Um, mm -hmm. So, this has been going on in like Hamilton. Like, you can literally draw a line on the map as to like where this stops, mm -hmm. um, because it's like as soon as you get towards Niagara, there is no peer support. Right. Um, I know they're trying to build it but it's incredible that it's not here. So when I started looking for a job, it was basically, I was knew I was gonna be either traveling to Hamilton, like Oakville, Mississauga, sure. Toronto, like that whole other side of the lake has progressed um, so much more mm -hmm. than the Niagara region has as it goes to, uh, to mental health. Right. Um, which is kind of, you know, really sad because if you look at the stats, if you, you know, I'm not a stats guy, mm -hmm. but if you actually like Google, like the impact of peer support on mental health, 
um, it's staggering. Really, when there's a, when there's a peer support uh, role involved in someone's recovery, it's amazing what happens. Right, compared so, to it not being there. So it would be an evidence-based practice. I'm assuming, which is why the hospital would would probably have it. Right. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. Thank you for so. thank you for sharing that. I know it's a little off topic of your book, but uh, no, it's, it's part of it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I guess well, that's part of the question, I guess. Then um, has being a peer support worker made you stronger in this other area as kind of an author, mental health advocate, or has has it worked the other way? Has being an author, mental health advocate, with that experience, made you stronger as a peer support worker, or do they just kind of balance each other? Do they you know strengthen each other? Would you say it balance? It's it's you know it's a really nice balance that's that's been created because part of being a peer support worker is knowing uh, what to share and what not to share. Mm -hmm. So you get to pick your, you get to pick your spots, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I get to, I get to, to work one-on-one with people and give them tools from my books. Um, You know, and that, you know, is really special because it's something that I myself can offer that another peer support worker might not be able to offer. Right. And at the same time, another peer support worker may have a lot more different lived experience than me. So they have more to offer to the client as well. So it with peer support, it becomes like a really good balancing act where it's like I learn every day from my peers um, and they learn every day from me as well. So it's kind of really, really, you know, become a really cool fine balance between Mm -hmm. honing my skills for myself um in my own self-care um by being able to give back to other people at the same time right well that's that's great um yeah hopefully we can bring something like that to niagara at some point i mean i know we're just it's just a matter of size and resources i'm sure to to, for one thing we're just a little bit smaller and things tend to reach us a little bit later but uh Mm -hmm. that sounds that sounds yeah, like we, something we could really use down here, I would think. Um, so uh, getting back to your books, um, I understand last we spoke, you had finished recording uh, some audiobook versions of your books. Uh, are those available now? And where, yes. where could people find those? So those are available on Audible um, okay. as well as uh, iBooks, okay. I believe. Mm-hmm. You can visit my uh, website, uh, DarcyPatrick.com, and I have links um, for them. So there's the Why I Run. My first book is an audio book. Um, My Guided Meditation uh, is an audio book. And um, The Big Let Go is an audio book now. And I'm just today, I was recorded the first two chapters of Managing Wellness. Nice. So I'm hoping that within a month or two, that uh, book will be available as an audio book as well. And is Managing Wellness, is that available in print now? I know you were planning to put it out around March. February 28th, it'll be available on print. February 28th. And I guess people can visit your website uh, as well to find that one? Yes. Thanks. And it's actually, a, it is available on Kindle and uh, Kubu as an ebook right now. But the print version of it, um, we'll have to wait. Right. Yeah, it's just a little more more uh, preparation, I imagine, to get, get that all up and running. Um Okay. Well, uh, and what was that like for you? I guess one, one follow-up question I had. So what was it like for you, um, the process of, of revisiting your old work and recording these audiobooks? Uh, was it kind of, was it fun? Was it tedious? Because it seems like it would be a lot of work to, to have to go through everything again and then put it down in audio, edit it, and, and, and put it out that way. It's pretty neat because you kind of forget what you write. Right. I guess because I mean, um, some of these you wrote five years ago, right? Six years ago? Yeah. So yeah. It, it's kind of eye-opening sometimes when I'm reading through it and realizing that, wow, I wrote that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of, uh, it, it's really inspiring and it's a lot of fun to uh, to read through it. And it's challenging too because when you're reading through something, you got to change a bunch of stuff. Um because it's someone's not reading it, you're reading it to them. Hmm. Uh, so it's really challenging. It, it just adds to that creative, uh, you know, flow that feels good, right? So hmm. it's a learning curve to 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 record an audiobook, but at the same time, it's like one of the most enjoyable things. Like it energizes me to uh, to sit down behind the mic and and give my my books an actual voice. And it's funny because I record them all myself. Hmm. And um, 
you know, AC, ACX or, or, or Audible offers people to narrate your books. Sure. And I always thought that's funny. Like, why would I want someone else yeah. reading my book? Yeah. Um, not that there's anything wrong with anybody out there that's doing voice work. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't see anybody reading my books other than me. Yeah. Unless I could get James Earl Jones to do it. Right. <laughs> that would just be the coolest thing to have Darth Vader reading my books. That's just it. It's like sometimes they have uh, audiobooks narrated by like Sean Penn or some famous Hollywood actor. So that can be interesting sometimes. But I, I agree. I think the most interesting ones tend to be uh, the ones that are read by the author because you're hearing it in their own voice. I mean, I'm an audiobook guy because I don't have a lot of time to sit down and read anymore. Um, with two young children and it's been COVID. So I love to have audiobooks on while I'm, you know, just doing mundane kind of household chores. I think um, it's a great way to, to read without, without reading, to be honest with you. Um, so just a pointer to anyone listening, NFPL does offer a wide selection of audiobooks. It's a legitimate way to read. It does count as reading. So please do check those out and, uh, and check out Darcy's as well. Um, Darcy, I think uh, that's all the questions I had for you. Um, thank, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Um, yeah, and thank you for having me and for all the, you know, courses that we've run together. Yeah. And we hopefully we can have you people and done a lot of good. So that's well, nice. I, I agree. And I, I hope we can have you back soon. I guess that's one final follow-up question I could ask. And we discussed this a bit before we started recording. Um, I, I, are, where can people, uh, find out uh, when where you're presenting again soon i guess that would that be your website would that be the best yeah source just find? yeah visit my website occasionally mm -hmm. uh, darcypatrick.com i mm -hmm. usually have all my classes listed like uh a month ahead of time usually right. um and they're they're almost they're always free to the public right um so when they're up there jump on it and, and register yeah for sure all right well that's great darcy thank you so much Awesome. Thank you, Greg, for having me. Take care. And that's it for the podcast. You can learn more about Darcy Patrick and his books at DarcyPatrick.com. You can also find them at the Niagara Falls Public Library. Don't forget to also check out the library's new mental health and well-being resources page at my.nflibrary.ca slash mental health. For now, happy Canadian Mental Health Week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.